Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cyclical Podcast. This has been one of the most requested episodes ever, so I'm very excited to finally talk about one of the most common hormone imbalances that I see in women, and that is none other than low progesterone. We're gonna really break down what progesterone is, why it's important, the signs that you might have low progesterone, and then don't worry, of course, around here, you always get the solutions as well. And I hope that these are you know, solutions and things to think about that are outside of the box, because unfortunately, often when a woman is dealing with symptoms of low progesterone, like irregular cycles or trouble getting pregnant, all of these foundational solutions tend to be skipped over and we go immediately to things like birth control or fertility treatments. And in my opinion, long before we consider something like that, we should be looking at these foundations because in most instances, If a woman has low progesterone, there are things we can do to address that at the root. Now, one of the most common symptoms of low progesterone is PMS, and I am such a proponent of getting to the root of anything going on, but it's also really helpful to have a clinically proven tool to support you along the way, and that is why I love Jubilance. Studies have shown that it is an effective option when dealing with things like anxiety and mood changes, and with just one capsule a day, you can start to see significant relief as well. If PMS is the top symptom that you're currently dealing with, Jubilance offers an amazing money-back guarantee where you can try it for 30 days, and if it doesn't give you the relief that you were looking for, you get your money back. You can get started with $10 off with code cyclical at jubilance.com. So as I mentioned, low progesterone is one of the most common hormone imbalance symptoms that I hear about anytime I post about literally anything, high estrogen, thyroid disorders, excess androgens, always there are so many women in the comments that are like, okay, this was interesting, but can you talk about low progesterone? There is such a long list of symptoms that a woman may struggle with if she has low progesterone. So this is just probably the most common symptoms, by no means exhaustive, and unfortunately, this is the reality that so many women are living with. If a woman has low progesterone, she may deal with symptoms like breast tenderness, short cycles, especially if our total cycle length is less than 25 days, mid-cycle spotting, where she's spotting around ovulation or she's spotting for an excessive number of days before her period, Irregular periods, so no predictability in when the period is actually going to come. Difficulty getting pregnant, cyclical headaches, PMS or PMDD, bloating, trouble sleeping, anxiety, low libido, and heavy periods. So that's quite a list, right? And in my experience working with so many women, most women that I work with match a lot of these symptoms of low progesterone. And why is that? Why is it so common for women today to have low progesterone and or low progesterone symptoms. It's really common to hear people say that estrogen is the female hormone and testosterone is the male hormone, but really this is quite inaccurate. Progesterone is truly the female hormone and it's what makes us you know, fertile in our reproductive years. 
Progesterone is made in tiny, tiny amounts by the adrenal glands after menopause. And of course, before puberty, we don't really need progesterone. So progesterone is the fertile feminine hormone. Progesterone is such a beautiful hormone. It is naturally calming. It is anti-inflammatory. It supports the health of our thyroid. It really is kind of the zen calming hormone that we all desperately want. And progesterone is made when we ovulate by our corpus luteum. When you ovulate and the egg comes out of the follicle, that follicle transforms into the corpus luteum, which is a temporary endocrine gland. And this is what's gonna make your hormones like progesterone for the next couple weeks until your period or for longer if you get pregnant. Progesterone's job is to prepare your uterine lining for a potential fertilized egg. So if you get pregnant, the corpus luteum is going to continue to make progesterone in large amounts until the placenta forms and will eventually take over that hormone production. But if you don't get pregnant, that corpus luteum will die and this will cause your hormones to drop, which is going to cause your endometrial lining to begin to shed, which is going to begin your period. So as you can see, progesterone becomes really important from ovulation until our next period. Really that whole second half of the cycle or the luteal phase, which is the longest phase of our cycle with it being around 10 to 14 days for most women. Something I didn't mention is that many women have long called progesterone the anti-aging hormone because when we have adequate progesterone in our body, it supports having a youthful appearance, having fewer fine lines, having plump lips, a feminine form. And I think that's really interesting. So especially if we're not making adequate progesterone, some women may feel like they have premature aging or their lips are thinning, um, their hair quality may change. So Progesterone really has so many benefits, and this is why we want to be ovulating as much as possible during our reproductive years. Ovulation is how we make progesterone, so we can't you know, overstate how important it is to ovulate so that we can make this vital hormone. So of course, some forms of hormonal birth control do work by turning off ovulation, and that's why they're effective. I'll put in the show notes the link to my healing after birth control workshop because it is so informative. It goes through all the different types of birth control and how they work, and then also how to mitigate some of the potential side effects. Like oral birth control, for example, tends to work by turning off ovulation. It can negatively impact gut health. We know it depletes us of vital nutrients that especially are key for fertility. So there's so much information and there's more than I can go into here, but it is important to note that some forms of birth control work by turning off ovulation, not all. So then the next question, of course, that most women have is, okay, so maybe I'm not on birth control or I've never been on birth control or I've been off birth control for many years. Why do I still have all these low progesterone symptoms? Especially if we feel like we generally take pretty good care of ourselves. We try to eat pretty well. We exercise, you know, we're doing things that should make us healthy. And yet our breasts are still super tender. Our cycles are super short. Our periods are heavy. There's something going on and we're feeling like low progesterone could be to blame. But more on that in a moment. Don't worry, I'll give you some solutions. First though, I wanna talk about how we can really see what's going on with progesterone at home in a really simple and effective way. So we know that we have to ovulate to make progesterone. So that's why 
The first question I have with really anyone, whether you're a student in Period Reboot or you're working with me one-on-one, -on -one, my first question is almost always, are you ovulating? Now, it's not enough to assume that we are. Unfortunately, even if your periods are semi-regular, even if you say, quote, I just know I'm ovulating or I just know it because I see cervical mucus, we can't rely on that. And I say that as a practitioner who has worked with thousands of women and heard so many women say, I just know I'm ovulating. And finally, I get them to start tracking a little bit deeper and it's revealed that they're not. So this is why I say, just don't assume anything. Always look a little deeper and actually track. The simplest way to confirm ovulation at home is by taking your basal body temperature or your BBT. So you can do this by taking your oral temperature every morning, first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. This works for some women. It does not work for me, nor the vast majority of the women I work with. It's difficult and there are a lot of rules when it comes to getting accurate temperatures. However, if we use something like a temp drop, it's really easy to track our temperature every day. And this way we can begin to confirm if we're ovulating. So the temp drop is a really cool wearable armband. You wear it on your upper arm at night and during the night while you're sleeping, it tracks your temperature. Don't worry, there are no EMFs. It's not talking to your phone while you're wearing it or anything like that. It's one of the most common questions I get and I'm like, y'all, I am very, very into health. <laughs> Don't worry, I would never recommend a product that's like radiating me all night. So no EMFs. When you wake up in the morning, you take it off, you sync it to your phone, and then it will start to chart your cycle for you. Now, throughout the month, you'll be able to see if you're ovulating or not. So remember a little earlier, I said your progesterone stimulates your thyroid. It's, it's supportive of your thyroid function. So when you ovulate, when you make progesterone, this stimulates your thyroid and your basal body temperature goes up by at least 0.6 degrees, sometimes more than a full degree. So if you imagine kind of an up and down chart, up and down, up and down every day, one day you're gonna see a more significant increase and then those temperatures stay elevated. And this is how we confirm ovulation. Now, if someone sent me their chart and it's up, down, up, down, up, down all month and there was never a significant increase, and temperatures remaining elevated, then we would know that was an anovulatory cycle or a cycle where ovulation did not happen. So are you all seeing how important it is to track? Because if we have low progesterone symptoms, it could be because we're not ovulating. And if we're not ovulating, of course, we're gonna have low progesterone symptoms. And then this gives us more of a focus on what we need to address. We need to get ovulation restored and that will probably fix the low progesterone. Now, sometimes though, we confirm a woman is ovulating, but she's not making sufficient progesterone. So that's a little bit more like we'll talk about in a moment with solutions, but either way, we need to know if you're ovulating. In fact, in my practice, when I work one-on-one -on -one with a woman, I want at least a month of data from their temp drop before our first call, because otherwise the whole time in that first call, I'm gonna be thinking, okay, well, she's matching, you know, signs of excess estrogen or low thyroid or low progesterone. I wonder if she's ovulating. So having that data is so valuable. And like I said, you can do it at home. So again, TempDrop is the tool that I love. They have giant sales often throughout the year. They have one right now. So if you're listening to this around when it's published, 
They're doing 20% off. Plus you can stack my code CASSWILDER for an additional 12% off. So this is like the time to buy to get over 30% off. It could be a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> I don't know. I would be stoked if someone bought me a temp drop for Christmas, but hey, like, you know your friends and family better than me. Um, but that's such a great opportunity. If you've been wanting to get a temp drop or if you've been feeling like you need to start getting some data for your body, now is a good time to do that. So that's temp drop and code CASSWILDER to stack both discounts so you get over 30% off. Now, in terms of solutions, really these solutions can be applied whether we say track with a temp drop and we find we're not ovulating. It's up, down, up, down, up, down. Or let's say we tracked and we do appear to be ovulating, but we still match all of these low progesterone symptoms. Or maybe we go see our gynecologist or we do a Dutch test with an integrative doctor like me and we see that yeah, we are ovulating and we are making progesterone, but we're not making as much as we should be. Now, what do we do? One of the most important things to think about when it comes to progesterone is that cortisol and progesterone really don't mesh well. What does that mean? Well, when your body is in a time of stress or survival or fight or flight, it will directly steal resources needed to make progesterone and put them towards making cortisol. So the first question that always needs to be asked when it comes to progesterone is, is your body making all of this effort to make adequate cortisol and there's nothing left to make progesterone. In most instances, this is a big piece of the puzzle. So before anyone like turns off this episode or rolls their eyes and is like, Cassandra, I'm not stressed. Just listen to this a little deeper, a little further. Stress is not always super straightforward. And in my practice, I often talk about inward stress and outward stress. So let's say outward stress is like, our job, our relationship, traffic, politics, um, the impending holidays, money, right? We have all these outward things that can affect us and certainly are valid. But sometimes with the women I work with, they're like, Cassandra, I have a job I love. I'm married to the love of my life. I have a good life. We feel stable. Like I'm really not stressed. That's always somewhere where people tend to get stuck because they think, well, the stress thing doesn't apply. And I say, okay, but what about the inward stress? The inward stress is the stuff that we do that can cause our body to be stressed and put into that uh, sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight. So the inward stress can be like not going to bed at a, an appropriate time or staying up late or not sleeping enough. It can be skipping meals or intermittent fasting. It can be drinking coffee first thing in the morning. It could be having really poor phone boundaries and being on your phone really late into the night or letting your phone stress you out. It can be poorly balanced meals and blood sugar dysregulation. These are the layers that we have to look at. And as I mentioned earlier, these are the, those foundational things that somehow don't really get any you know, weight in your average doctor's office. I mean, how many of you have seen an MD and had them ask about your sleep and your diet? Do you focus on blood sugar management? Do you have phone boundaries? Is your home life stressful? I mean, I know some doctors ask that, but I've never in my life <laughs> seen a doctor that asked me any of that. 
And certainly not years ago when I had hypothyroidism, low progesterone, and felt like a shell of a human. Nobody ever asked me any of that. So hopefully you're seeing that there's a couple layers to the whole stress piece. So of course, I want you to consider why would my body be stressed, you know, and if I'm not ovulating or if I'm not making adequate progesterone, that is your body telling you we don't have the basic resources we need to prioritize fertility and ovulation. We can't care about that right now because our body is in survival mode. Like you really have to, I think, fully look at that and, and take that on and realize like, okay, my body's telling me it's stressed. So why is it stressed? And I know that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to sometimes fully accept that there's something going on and that our body is trying to communicate that to us through all of these symptoms. With the external stress, of course, there's a lot to that and that's gonna be a really personal thing for everyone, but that could mean setting boundaries, seeing a therapist, that could mean switching jobs, that could mean having you know hard conversations. That's not so much my focus here in this episode, but I don't wanna say that that stuff doesn't matter. But the inward stress piece is more so where I tend to look at and focus because those are things generally within our control. I mean, maybe not the sleep part. If you have a baby like me, (laughs) then, you know, you just accept what you can get. But we can at least control most of these things. We can control what we're eating, how often we're eating. We can control balancing our meals. We can have better boundaries with our phone, right? These are things that generally are in our direct control. So the first piece to addressing low progesterone is consider cortisol. What is going on with stress and cortisol? This is where the Dutch test is really cool because we can see cortisol patterns. We can see how stressed your body really is. And of course we can look at progesterone and estrogen and everything that's included in a Dutch test. This is why generally with my patients, we will often run a Dutch test just so we can get a deeper perspective into what's going on. But that may not be necessary for you to do. If you already have a feeling progesterone is low, then start here. Start considering what is stressing my body out. So from that umbrella, then we can start to look a little deeper. One thing that is so overlooked is blood sugar and the immense stress that that can cause on our body if we're not pairing our meals well. Okay, so let's talk about an example. Let's say you're on a trip, so you're not in your normal routine and you go to a gas station because that's all that's available. So you go there and you get like a Krispy Kreme donut and like a caramel latte. Mmm, delicious, right? So you get in your car and you're eating all of this. So because this is predominantly carbs and sugar, your blood sugar levels are gonna start to increase. So your pancreas is gonna release the hormone insulin and insulin is gonna go in and start to pull that sugar out from your bloodstream and stick it into your cells so you can use it for energy. If we are constantly eating meals where we're only getting in one macronutrient and we're not getting in adequate protein or adequate fat, over time, this can cause us to have higher cortisol. And over time, we could also be at higher risk of developing insulin resistance where our pancreas continues to release insulin, but our cells are less receptive to it. And so this can really be the beginning of prediabetes. And where now up to 80% of Americans have insulin resistance, it makes sense that 
many people who are struggling with this may not even know about it. They're just now experiencing the ripple effect of symptoms and potentially even if they're a woman struggling with things like low progesterone. So if we want to support our blood sugar, one of the easiest ways we can do that is by eating adequate protein at every meal and snack. And I did a whole big episode with Danny Hamilton last week on the podcast. So if you didn't listen to that, that's a whole hour about blood sugar and blood sugar alone. But she gave some really great tips like eating adequate protein, going for a short walk after meals and focus on building muscle. So rather than maybe focusing exclusively on cardio, consider other things like lifting weights or Pilates, things that are going to help you build muscle mass as that's going to be supportive to blood sugar health. I recently shared on Instagram that I try to hit over 100 grams of protein a day, and some people were like, what? (laughs) And I know it can sound like a big number, and in the US, the average woman consumes about 60 grams of protein a day, which, you know, is pretty good, but there's a lot you know, more that we could be getting in, and I think a lot of women would see improvements in their health if they got at least 80, but potentially over 100. And if you're really active or you do exercise a lot, then your needs could be much higher than even that. I try to get in 30 to 40 grams at breakfast and then 20 to 30 grams at my other meals. And then usually I'll have, you know, a small snack throughout the day, like a chomps beef stick or a protein shake or some cottage cheese and berries. And that just also adds, you know, at least 10 grams of protein at each snack. So when you set it up that way, you get to the end of the day and hitting that 80 to 100 grams really isn't that difficult. So we've talked about look at stress slash cortisol. Make sure that you're starting to think about blood sugar or at least keep that in mind when you go to create a meal, where is my protein? The next thing is to look at daily caloric intake. And I sometimes feel like a broken record, but again, if you don't track this, sometimes it's really surprising to see how little we may actually be eating. So again, I see this with my clients all the time where I'll have them track and then we see they're eating 1,200 to maybe 1,500 calories a day. And for most women of reproductive age, you know, it's gonna depend on your height and your weight, your age, and of course, um, activity level. But for most women, that's gonna be way too low. And they're often surprised when I tell them that it would be beneficial to consider increasing calories slowly until we get to whatever their base metabolic rate plus activity level indicates. So that might be 2,200, that might be 2,000, that could be even more than that. So calories have to be considered because the act of ovulation requires a lot of energy. It's a big moment for your body to create this corpus luteum, to release this egg. And so if calorically we're accidentally, chronically under eating, then this can be part of the problem. This is also one of the reasons I really don't like intermittent fasting, and don't worry, I won't go into the whole thing, but one reason I don't like intermittent fasting is because when we restrict the window in which we're eating, so we're only eating between noon and 8 p.m. or something, it's pretty freaking hard to get all of your calories in within eight hours. At least I know that I probably couldn't eat 2,200 calories within an eight hour span. And so if you're struggling with low progesterone, I would recommend tracking your food for a few days in a really good app like Chronometer and just observing. 
That app will also help you see your macronutrients, so your protein, your fat, and your carbs, just so you can have an idea on where you're hitting everything. Are you getting much protein in? Are you getting tons and tons of fat, but not enough protein or vice versa? And it's just helpful for, again, you to have the data to see, okay, this is where I'm starting. And then in a few months, I'll revisit this and see if my symptoms are different, if I'm feeling better and where I'm at with, you know, getting in more calories and having my macros, my blood sugar a little more balanced. Then you could also consider other things like vitamin C or supplementing with a quality beef organ supplement to get in additional nutrients. But these are the really big starting points and the foundations that I think are usually overlooked. People are often quick to go straight to a supplement or go straight to, you know, birth control or something like that to address these symptoms without looking at these foundations. But because you're listening to this podcast, I know that you're like me, you're all about those foundations. So I hope one of these can illuminate an area where maybe a little more intention has to be brought there, or maybe there is something that's missing in your diet and give you some starting points on where to go from here. If you've been a listener for a long time, you know that I love teaching my program period reboot and the next round is going to start in January. So if you want to begin 2024 with balanced hormones and healthy periods and really get to the root of things like PMS and heavy periods and period pain and chin hairs, all the unpleasant symptoms that most of us have experienced, Period Reboot is such a phenomenal program where we get to go in depth into everything we just talked about here, but far deeper There is such a great community. You get office hours where you can ask me questions. And it is really where I get to bring all of my information into kind of a choose your own adventure setting. So you can really apply the tools that you need and start to see beautiful changes. The link is in the show notes to get on the waiting list or just go to CassandraWilder.com slash period. Very, very excited for a new round of that. And I hope this was helpful. If you loved this episode, please shoot me a message on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra Wilder and just let me know. It means so much when I know that you all have listened and got something from this. And next week on the podcast, we have a really special episode all about thyroid health that you won't want to miss. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Spotify. All right, my friends, thanks for being here and I'll catch you here next week.